Thank you, Chicago Dragons. Welcome to my podcast. Thanks for having us, Randy. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Randy. So before we really get going, let's get an introduction to to let the people know who's on this episode. Yeah, I can take the lead on that. So I'm Tony Furness. I'm currently, uh, excuse me, the president of the Chicago Dragons. I'm Bob Schumacher. I am the head coach of the Chicago Dragons. My name is Jack Dunn. I'm the co-captain of the Chicago Dragons. Let me get the history of the Dragons. Sure, Bob, you sure. take that? Yeah, so the club was founded in 2003, and our first match was in, the, I want to say, the spring of 2004. So we've just had our 15-year anniversary. Um, wow. You know, it was founded primarily um, as a way for gay men to, to play sports. But like I said, we've always been inclusive. So mm-hmm. over, over the years, I think we've kind of drifted away from gay rugby to inclusive rugby because everyone has their own experience and, you know, orientation and gender and everything is such a spectrum now. It, it's more, you know, it's more inclusive than just to say gay because that doesn't really fit everybody. Right. For sure. I love that. Yeah, it's something that the IGR definitely is is pushing. Yeah. It seems. Yeah, and, and what's cool about IGR is they just we just had our hundredth club join, so there's a hundred clubs worldwide now. Yeah, I saw that. That's so impressive. Yeah, that really is cool. Um, Bobby, do you know? I'm not aware of which. I know, like, what San Francisco was first. Um, I we think weren't too long after. So San Francisco was in Washington. Renegades were so, and and the New York uh, Got Gotham Gotham Knights were some of the first teams. We were the first team in the Midwest. Um, uh-huh. But I know like Charlotte came around around the same time we did. I think Nashville was pretty close. Yeah. Um, and what's cool about this sport too is there are teams in just about every major city in the country. You know, L.A. has a team, but then Madison has a team. Milwaukee has a team. Columbus has two teams. Dallas has a team. Mm-hmm. Um, Philadelphia, you, know, you name it. Um, just about every major city or area has, has a club, which is fantastic, um, especially for a sport that most people don't grow up watching or even knowing about. Yeah, not in the States, for sure. Definitely not in the States. Yeah, yeah and actually you mentioned, too, uh, San Francisco being one of the first. I think King's Cross in London was the first one. For globally, yes. Yeah. They're definitely the first. They just had their 20-year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I should have mentioned United States for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. How did you guys all get involved with the Dragons? Um, I guess I'll take the lead on this. So I've been with the crew now for just over five years. Um, one of my good friends I've known for quite a long time, he got recruited um, at a bar. Um, and then we were talking about it. I went out to his first match a couple of weeks later, um, went to the third half and got really interested, showed up to practice a few days after that. And here we are five years later. Yeah, Randy, I think um, one thing you'll note is that we all have very different joining stories. <laughs> so, so mine's definitely different from Tony's. Um, I joined the team later than most people joined. I joined when I was actually 36 years old. And I joined the team back in 2007. I heard about the club. I was actually on a Yahoo match date. I think it was Yahoo match. I mean, I don't even know if that still exists anymore. Um, But we went out to dinner and I had just moved into the city and we were talking about sports. And I mentioned that I liked contact sports and that's why I hated softball. And I would never do it. And I made an offhand comment, and I said, well, if there was, like, a gay rugby team or something, I would do that. He's like, oh, yeah, there's a gay rugby team, and it's the Chicago Dragons. You should look them up. Oh, my God. And I said I would, and I have no idea what his name is, and I never saw him after that, but I've been with the Dragons since 2007, so um, I couldn't be happier. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, and mine is actually kind of a mixture of their two stories. Um, two, I kind of serendipitously no i kind of would have ended up on the dragons one of two ways but in the same week uh a gym that i was working as a trainer at asked me to take over the sports conditioning classes for the dragons and uh that same week i went out to a bar and uh 
met one of the guys on the team, totally separate from the gym, and uh, went home with him, <laughs> had a one-night stand, and never really thought anything about it. And then we kept bumping into each other all over town and started dating. So I actually started out as a rugby wife, and then I one day just bought a pair of cleats and came to practice. So a little bit different. So is there a spot for someone who doesn't play the game at all and who doesn't want to play? Uh, that doesn't want to play or doesn't or wants to play and doesn't like really likes the social aspect of it and yeah. not really the physical yeah ready to you know kind of speak to my side um i i haven't been on the pitch in about three years from a, a leg injury that i sustained at being a nashville um if i wasn't on the board um, which will eventually you know be in my future i would just be a social member which we do have a category for that and we do have a number of people sometimes a guy will come out and realize that being on the pitch or playing for the team really isn't their speed but they do enjoy you know that social aspect and we do have a lot of events um, you know we usually go out for food and drinks after our practices twice a week and then of course our third halves along with our just random social events through the year and our fundraising events so we do have quite a large network of what we just call our social members that either used to play or have never played or might be how Jack started out as a rugby wife, as we call them. And so we do definitely have a, a large arm of that social aspect to our club. Yeah, that, uh, you know, I've only been captain about a year, but I've been on the team maybe four years now. And that's one of my favorite things about it is I'll go to these fundraisers or even these third halves, which is what we call the after party after a match. And um, I won't know half the people because we really do have this great extensive social network of friends of players and lovers of players and family members of players that, you know, spend their time coming to our events. Um, so it's much bigger than just the game of rugby. And I take a step back and just kind of explain what third half is. So <laughs> rugby has a lot of traditions and one rugby tradition is that the home team always hosts the away team for a meal. And we call that party the third half. So you have two halves of the game and then you have the third half, which is the social part. And mm -hmm. so as Jack and Tony have mentioned, um, there's a lot of folks who want to come out for that part, but don't necessarily want to play and, and all are welcome, of course. And it's just good food. You know, lots and lots of kegs, and um, you should see the songs we sing and stuff. It's just hilarious. I mean, these are some of the best parties ever. Oh, yeah, because rugby is a unique sport where you can be physical for the, the match and then after, whether it's inclusive or, you know, collegiate, whatever, you're going to have fun after the end, after the match. And I can imagine just how you guys have sort of upped that level a little bit. Yeah, we have we have a lot of really fun people on the team. It, it's so amazing. And, um, you know, we are an inclusive team. A large part of our member base is uh, gay guys. Uh, we also are inclusive of literally everybody. So that's one of my favorite things is some straight guys from Lincoln Park or another neighborhood that we wouldn't necessarily. Uh, we become really close friends with those guys and get to, um, you know, share a beer mm -hmm. do you guys ever feel that you you might alienate straight members i don't think so yeah. um i mean even back when we were founded um we had straight people on the team when it comes to rugby one thing you'll learn about rugby players is rugby first and orientation second so i mean our our team motto has always been all ages all sizes all inclusive mm -hmm. and that inclusive really does span i mean we have um we're primarily gay but we do have straight members we have bisexual members and we have transgender members which is awesome because everyone brings their own little perspective and adds to the flavor of the club let me ask you how many teams do the dragons have in a regular season 15s um how many how many teams or how many games how many, how many teams one we have one we have one primary side with subs um numbers fluctuate quite a bit um year over year just because of the toll that rugby takes um but we consistently have about 30 30 consistent members every season 
a couple seasons ago, we started fielding a B-side, and I would love if we could get back to that place. I think with the rookie class that we just took in last season, if we can get a couple more like that, we would definitely be able to put together a couple of sides for Chicago and expand. I would love to see that in the next couple of years. How do you guys primarily recruit? So we have um, our board of directors is eight members, and one of those is recruitment chair. So that person really kind of like mans the forefront of that. Um, a lot of it can be word of mouth. We do get a lot of people that come in organically from Google. That's, that's actually one of the bigger uh, avenues and channels that we have people joining from that will move to the city or be interested in doing a sport. And so they'll just Google gay rugby Chicago. And we're not always the number one search result for that because <laughs> the Lions have a really good social media machine and their SEO is bigger than ours. Uh, but yeah, I, I would say that that's probably one of our bigger channels. Um, our current recruitment chair has done a phenomenal job this past year. Uh, but we'll even use like ads on some of the dating apps and create like a faux profile and attract people through that channel. Um, in the past, we've had uh, essentially like information tables at gyms or different sporting events around the city. And, and then I think our last really big one that we've done in the past um, pretty frequently, and we've done, this will be our third year doing it, the um, big street festival in Boys Town Market Days. We've been having a tent and a setup there that we've been able to pull some people in through. Yeah, it's so fun. That's one of my favorites. We also get uh, players from other teams. So now that IGR is becoming so big across the country, mm -hmm. um, with Chicago being a destination city for a lot of people, when people move here, if they've known of an IGR team in another city, they'll look us up. Yeah. So, so that way, we're actually getting some people with the playing experience that way as well, which is awesome. Yeah, that's been amazing. It's it's hard to come by Midwestern athletes who have experience playing rugby. Most of us, I came from volleyball. A lot of us came from soccer, uh, American football, whatever it may be. Um, but I was just going to say, <laughs> uh, my favorite way that we've come across uh, members of our club is people who accidentally come to our practice intending to go to another uh, Chicago team. I think we've had a couple people that meant to come to uh, Lincoln Park, who practices at the same time as us, right next to us. <laughs> um, and <laughs> for me, the, that's the uh, bonus members that we always love to get. That's amazing. I love it. You guys also have a, an active sevens during summertime, right? We do. Um, there are a number of one-day sevens tournaments in the area, um, a couple in the suburbs, and then there's a, a large one in Milwaukee Lakefront Sevens that we usually send aside to. Um, not all of our members are, are part of that or participate in that, but we have quite a few this year with the, the recruitment cl class, the freshmen that we have, the rookies, a lot of them joined. Uh, but yeah, we, we have been running seven squads for at least as long as I've been on the team. Mm -hmm. to say about the last four or five years yeah and a lot of us absolutely love it we actually like really super duper look forward to sevens it's uh for people who don't mind being super out of breath and uh you know running full speed for 15 minutes it's really it's a fun sport and it's kind of not completely different but it's a very different game and um the skills you have to learn and the mindset you have to play with is it's tough to learn after a full season of 15s that lasted several months. What makes it so hard? So in 15s, um, I'm playing sevens this summer, and I've just recently trans uh, transitioned from 15s to sevens mode. And it's hard to remind yourself that you don't just want to crash through the line. You want to pull back. You want to look for a gap. You want to... Uh, get rid of the ball if there's too much pressure on you. You absolutely don't need to charge through. Uh, the teams that succeed are the teams that are the most patient in sevens. So you'll watch New Zealand just kind of literally pass the ball laterally for like minutes and minutes before they actually run forward. And I find that fascinating. It's totally different than 15s. And I personally love it. 
And I think a good point to make here would probably be the positions that we played. So Oh, for that, sure, yeah. Like, for me, I my primary position, the only one that I really truthfully played um, was wing. So that wouldn't necessarily be such a large departure from what I would experience in sevens. Right. But, right. yeah. Yeah, I spent the last season playing as a center, so I'm I'm carrying the ball into contact a lot in 15. So yeah, you're right, Tony. That's yeah, yeah. that's exactly why I struggle so much to shift my brain. Yeah. yeah, and I was a hooker, so I avoid sevens at all costs. <laughs> yeah. And then this this year, you guys are um, partnering with a law firm. I saw. Yeah, not a firm. Not a firm. We had a lovely coaching consultants this past 15 season um perks and ben we call them uh shout out to perks and ben but they are also kind of leading us into this seven season and they both play for a social side in chicago that is not a firm but it's a collection of lawyers yeah. from around the city it's the chicago lawyers rfc let's give them a shout out yeah, yeah. oh my so god we're friends with all those guys and we yeah so for our sevens club we decided to ask members from both clubs to form form a seven side that we're referring to as draconian law and kind of combining (laughs) yep draconian law officially that's pretty clever yeah we we had a contest to come up with the best name i wouldn't have thought that a lawyer would be that creative to be honest (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i didn't realize this but we've also been uh seeing some guys from the Chicago Blues, which is a third team yeah. that I think some of their guys were interested in sevens. So really to put together our sevens team this year, we have three different squads coming together. It's super fun. Now I was also reading too, that you guys also do beach rugby. So that that's a new thing for us this year. We would typically do just like a social event um, at, at the gay beach here in Chicago. But USA Rugby is doing, I think it's a seven-city tour or something like that, um, where they're going to major metropolitan areas and hosting you know, a version of beach rugby, which I believe is five-on-five. Five. And I think we have two sides registered for that. That's going to be the weekend after the 4th of July, I believe, is when that is. Um, so not something that we traditionally do um, in an official capacity, as it hasn't really been a thing. But USA Rugby decided this summer to do an actual five-on-five beach rugby tournament throughout the country. Yeah, I was watching some video clips of it because to me it didn't sound very fun. But then I watched some video of it, and it just looks like a great party and a great athletic event. And I'm getting really excited for it. How is it different than sevens? I guess primarily sevens. I I feel like it's... We're probably not going to start out as full contact as sevens <laughs> or fifteens would traditionally be, but I could see that changing really quickly. Yeah, once people to, find their feet. Yeah, to being more competitive and being a little bit more rough. Um, I would imagine that the pitch will be much, much smaller. It um, is. It's it's pretty small, and there are little inflatable barriers around the pitch for you to crash into, which I think looks really funny too. Um, but yeah, I would say it's not unlike sevens. And then right? I, I have to ask <laughs> the, awesome. the kit for the beach. Is it the budgie smugglers that you guys have been advertising? I mean, I'm going to go with, yes, that's probably what we'll ask our people to wear. I couldn't imagine that you'd want to be in a full Jersey and shorts <laughs> for beach rugby. Yeah. So I don't know. And the the promotional the promotional shots write themselves there. Right. And, and as <laughs> as an avid spectator of this event, I would want to see the budgies personally. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, why why are we even at the beach if we're not using our budgies? It's it's got to happen. In my mind, there's no question. <laughs> All right. Everybody and anybody should wear their budgie smugglers, even if you're not playing in the tournament. Show up in your dragon. So even the crowd. Team. Exactly. Yes, please. (laughs) Buy buy more of them from us. (laughs) (laughs) They're really super cute. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if it's a team uniform, it's just like wearing a team uniform in the stands. It's fun. Yeah, and you guys have them on Instagram, so people can go to it and see what they look like. Uh, Yeah, they're so adorable. Let me go back to recruitment. Different, but 
You talk about your recruitment class. What do you guys do for the class? I mean, is it something official? Is Do you guys have set days for them? So, I mean, when it comes to getting the new rookies or new players, because not everybody's brand new to the sport, but if you're new to the team, um, we'll do a one-on-one, like a field day, to kind of introduce people to some of the, the higher concepts of the sport, you know, tackling, passing, rucking, kicking, to get people to see if they're interested, right? I mean, you practice twice a week plus games. It's a pretty big commitment. Mm-hmm. This isn't rugby's not a sport you can really half-ass and do well. So we try to get their in, involvement, um, and it, it's also the recruiting from a social aspect as well. Because when you're spending this much time with people, you have to like them. Right. So you know, if you're a bunch of assholes, I'm not going to spend eight hours a week with you. It's not going <laughs> to happen. Um, but yeah. we, but we do. Um, we do the rugby one-on-one, and then um, at the beginning of practices, we may do some a little bit more remedial drills to get the rookies up to speed, but we pretty much throw them in the deep end and have them catch up. Um, this past year, I did do a rookie-only practice, um, which was pretty successful because you know there's not always time to stop and explain everything in detail when you have to get prepared for a game, but we do not want anybody to get um, left behind. For sure. But one thing that I tell all new players to the sport, because this was my experience as well, I had never played before joining the team, is it's such a fast game, and you don't really get the opportunity to watch it growing up. So it's not like basketball where you know all the rules. Um, the first season, you just kind of wander around and you're lost. And then your second season, you're it's reacting true. faster, but you still don't quite get it. That third season is really where you start anticipating. So I always tell people, I'm like, you're going to fuck up. You don't know what you're doing. I expect you to fuck up. Just fuck up aggressively and you're going to love it. Yeah, get yelled at and don't take it personally exactly. because it literally is just part of the part of the learning curve. Yeah. Yell that in like a fun, <laughs> nice way. <laughs> but no, I, I literally have that talk with all the rookies yeah. because it it did help me learn. I learned that, like, oh, the reason they're yelling at me is I'm quite literally standing directly in the middle of what they're trying to do. So they're just trying to get my attention in a quick yeah. <laughs> manner. And the most effective way to do that is to yell. Yeah. So I, Yeah, and I would actually physically grab someone by the shirt and move them into a spot <laughs> and just say, just, just go with it. Totally. Go with it. Yep, until they learn. And then that happens once or twice, and you start to be like, oh, now I see why that happened. Yeah. But no, um, we laugh about it on the team. It's a, it's a great part of being a rookie. And as a coach, it's one of my favorite things to do is to teach the sport to new people. That's mm-hmm. why I've been doing it for as long as I have is because I like helping new people learn and get the same enjoyment that I've gotten out of it. This mm-hmm. club is my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want more people in my family. How hard is it to keep people with – because I'm a Californian – and our winters, if it, they average in the 50s with some rain, that's bad for us. It's weather channels and, <laughs> and news just freak out with constant weather stuff. In Chicago, mm-hmm. though, obviously, your weather's a little different than mine. And 15s plays in the winter. Um, Is that- we don't. We try not to. But yeah, at the beginning of this season, it was particularly awful. And... Kudos again to our rookies this past season for sticking with us, even though we were practicing in on the tundra. Like, it was rough. Most veterans weren't showing up to practice just because they were like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'll come back out when it's warmer. But the rookies were really dedicated, and, you know, our core 15 were really dedicated this season. So it sucked, but we got through it, the weather. Yeah, our season, so we do two seasons. So we do a spring season and a fall season. And our spring season is our social season where we can schedule whomever we want. And we usually start practice at the end of February indoors, and then we move outdoors in March, and the season goes till Memorial Day. And we do sevens in the summer for those who are interested. And then we start our fall season, which is our league season. Um, and that practices there start in mid-August, and then the season goes till October. So hardcore winners, no, but after a really wet and cold spring like we had, mm-hmm. I still don't have enough layers to keep warm during some of those practices. Yeah, it was really weird. This, the end of this season, it was 
till cold. Yeah. cold. <laughs> the end of our spring season when it's normally not so cold. Yeah. But whatever, I love it. This spring, you guys went to Portland, right, for an IGR tournament. Did any of you guys make the trip? Jack and I won the spot. Oh, uh, yeah. It was a How- pretty big group we took, what? Almost, we took 28, 30, we took yeah, 28, 28, we took 28. So we actually had to whore five, five, five guys. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't able to play, which I wanted to, so I didn't play, which I, because we had too many people, so. Yeah, we packed the roster. I wasn't expecting that, but we ended up with all the subs we wanted and then a few too many. How was the tournament for you guys, as individuals and as the, the club? It was, it was really good. I mean, I was really proud of the boys and how hard they played. Um, you know, Portland put on a great tournament. I think everybody had a blast. Um, so kudos to the Lumberjacks for, for showing everybody a good time. Yeah, seriously um, amazing. But, you know, we, we particularly enjoyed it because being in the Midwest, we play Midwest teams and some East Coast teams, but we got to play Seattle. Um, we played Seattle, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. You know, clubs that we don't play outside of the big tournaments like Bingham or the IGR West tournament. And we did pretty well. We took uh, third place. Um, and we're really proud of that. Um, it was it was a lot of fun. The boys really stepped up, and I, got, I actually got very emotional at the end when we were talking. <laughs> I just started crying and had to walk away. So, um, but no, when you put in you know four months of blood, sweat, and some tears, um, you know not everybody gets to win their last game, and we got to win our last game this season, so that was pretty special. Exactly, and the coaches and the captains were talking all season. You know. It was kind of a rebuilding year. We weren't. We were really low on numbers at the end of last 15 season in the fall. So I hate to keep talking about the rookies, but they kind of bailed us out. And then uh, the captains and the coaches talked all season about, all right, we're learning kind of a new offensive system with new personnel. It's going to be different. How are we coping? Like, are we on track to peak at the end of the year at Portland? And I don't think there's a question in anybody's mind that our forwards played better than they had all season. Our backs played better than they had all season. Uh, the communication between the coaching staff and the athletes was clicking. Like it was just a perfect end to the season and a great road trip. Yeah. And as somebody who, who didn't go to Portland, um, we had a, a tournament in Madison a couple of weeks before that. So shout out to the Minotaurs. It was a great tournament, had a fantastic time. Mm-hmm. Came in second there. Uh, this season was some of the best rugby I've seen this team play in, I'd say, at least a year, if not if not more. Um, we have been kind of on a downturn in, in the rebuilding process, and I'm really feeling it this year. Um, everybody giving a whole lot. And I know that we've kind of harped on this point, but the rookies this year were just incredibly impressive. And when I was at Madison with the team and watching – I, I got emotional towards the end. I got emotional a few times with a couple of the new guys because they were just making these impressive plays for guys that picked up a rugby ball two or three months prior to be able to see the way that they moved and read the scenario and responded to it as they should have was just eye-opening and one of those really great emotional moments that you know this sport really truthfully brings. Yeah, we, I mean, 100%. And then even outside of the captains and even outside of the coaching staff we had so many veterans take a leadership role and just like hunker down focus in and lead their positions it was amazing great end to the season when you guys go to these tournaments is it all out of pocket or do you guys also get do get sponsorships or fundraising to help pay for this yeah, so um, I've been the president since the beginning of the year. The prior two years to that, I, I was our fundraising chair. Um, so we, we do have dues um, for the sport of rugby and for the city of Chicago. They are on the lower end because we want to have it be as open as possible to as many backgrounds. And, you know, sometimes that is socioeconomic. So we want to be, be able to make sure that that is o- as open as it can be to as many people as possible. Uh, we do also have a number of sponsors. Um, Miller Lite is a huge one for us. That took me and the previous fundraiser, <laughs> I don't know, like two or three years to lock that one down. But they've been really great um, throwing us you know, some monetary donation um, as well as helping us with jerseys in the past. We've had Smirnoff as a, as a sponsor for at least a year or so now. And Kettle One has been helping us for a couple of years as well. 
So they kind of help a little bit more on, um, you know, the more sort of equipment side of the house. Um, we also do have a couple more local businesses that help us out a whole lot. Um, one of our great Boys Town Bar Sidetrack has been a huge help to us. Um, they got us new jerseys for Bingham Amsterdam last year. Um, and we've had a really great relationship with them to kind of speak more towards our fundraising side of the house. Um, we have two really big events a year. We've hosted both of those at Sidetrack for as long as I can remember, say for a couple of years for one of them. And so one of them is the bachelor auction, which happens usually at the beginning of April. And it's a huge moneymaker for us. We get a lot of help from the community. A lot of local businesses will give us phenomenal donations that will either pair live on the auction block or in a silent auction. That's our largest fundraising event. Um, and then our more kind of fun one that still brings up brings in a lot of money. Um, and this is a really great point to bring this up because <laughs> we were talking to three former champions of this event. We have a drag show in November called Miss Ruckin' Mall. Um, so, Bob, your first year was 2013, 12. 2012, and then my first year was 2014, and then Jack, you were 2015, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's the best. It's the worst. It's the best worst drag you'll ever show. <laughs> and and a, a lot of a lot of the IGR clubs have their own version of a drag show. Um, ours is a lot of fun because. Although I wouldn't say anyone takes it super serious. There's a lot of competitive bitches on this team, and they will scratch your eyes out if you try to pass their wigs. So, yeah, it was a, it was at fall 2014. It was my first win. Um, me and our former president, his, his nickname is Turk, and we'll just shout out Turk. Um, he and I kind of started taking it to a new level after the previous year's winner, who, like, really started bringing it from big guys and bad drag. And so the looks year after year have just gotten progressively better. And there's still some really campy looks out there, which are always appreciated. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, some of us take it a little bit more seriously than others. I, I love it, particularly when our straight players will do it. Uh, yeah. That yes. makes it fun because they need so much help. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think a lot of the time, the scraggliest cheapest outfit wins i yeah. mean it's all about presence and song choice party yeah oh and the song yeah for sure song choice is huge yeah what was your song choices when you guys competed and won so when i won i did baby one more time and party in the usa <laughs> <laughs> and then for all stars i did mariah curry emotions yeah so bob brings up a, a nice little foil there we started miss wrecking mall in 2006 and so 2016 was our 10 year anniversary, which we decided to do a slightly different format where we had um, four or five brand new people that had never won before. And then we had four or five, I can't remember for sure, former champions, former champions come back and take the stage. So they're all stars. Yeah. So when I won my first time, um, and I'll preface this by saying that my nickname on the team is Gaga. So I did, um, Love Game, and My Call to Arms, Bad Romance, to seal that title. <laughs> and then... Oh, uh, so good. <laughs> it was so good. When I won the All-Stars crown in 2016, I switched the game up because they pulled a fast one on me and told me I was not actually competing as much as I was just kind of performing as an intermission sort of thing, mm -hmm. and went uh, Beyonce Run the World and took my second crown with that. Yeah, and uh, I really don't know which one clinched it for me. Oh, no, you would know because you were a judge. Uh, I did Take It Off by Kesha, which is one of my favorite Kesha songs, and then um, Work by Sierra, where I did kind of a construction theme, and that was pretty fun. Oh, and then for All Stars, I did a medley of Rihanna, <laughs> Rihanna songs. Ugh. What a mess. <laughs> um so yeah, which one clinched it for me, Gaga? Was it my? Which uh, one was better? I think it. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, was, that one was, it was work. Was I mean, take it off was phenomenal, but work was, in my opinion, the one that really took it for you. I figured it was. You, I was feeling much more confident at that point. In other words, I had drank three quarters of a bottle of vodka by that point. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, construction. Uh, what? What do you? How do you do that? What do you? 
Oh, I mean... Because let me just say this. My day job yeah. is I work construction. I'm an electrician. Oh, God. Yeah, so I've seen porn that... Construction porn is just horrible for me because it's cringeworthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, don't, like, set me up to read me or anything here, but I had on a white, like, kind of shredded tank top, uh, super short Daisy Dukes because my quads are kind of my moneymaker. And then... Um, Way too high of heels for my, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never mind, for my talent level. Uh, and then um, I had this remote control dump truck that I drove around the stage uh, <laughs> that I was so nervous I kind of forgot to really use it until the end. And then um, what else? Oh, a hard hat and safety goggles and a um, tool belt that I made out of a fanny pack. <laughs> Stupid. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> if you say so, it's amazing. Now, when is this event usually happening? Uh, Ruck and Mall is usually that second Saturday in November. We've been cognizant to kind of move it around um, a little bit in, in that month because we've been having the international games at Soldier Field in the over the past couple of years. But, oh, yeah. yeah, that one's always that first or second weekend of November. That sounds like an amazing time to be had. Oh, yeah. We get a huge draw. Um, some of the uh, Chicago women's teams come and party with us, come to uh, give us their ones. And, uh, you know, we've got full lights on the stage. We've got speakers blaring, people screaming, upside-down twerking, uh, cartwheels and everything. It's so fun. Yeah, again, I'd have to call it sidetrack on this one. They do a really phenomenal job of working with us to make the event exactly how we need it. And really just producing the show insanely well for, like, the level of talent that we bring to the table. Right. When, when, when they host actual drag queens yeah. right. to, to perform there, like, they, they take care of us very well. They even have a jumbotron on the wall. What do you guys have coming up in the next six months or so? So I think big call-ups for us. Um, we always have a position in the Chicago Pride Parade. Um, this year we're partnering with, is it North Shore Morgans? Are some, some of them are coming with us. Um, and that's another, that's a really great dovetail from Miss Ruck and Mall. Um, so as Miss Ruck and Mall during the year, you have a couple of responsibilities. <laughs> the first one off the bat is leading the team in the parade in full drag. Um, and then the second one is opening the following year's show. And then the third one is also judging the following year's show. So we always have a really great time at Pride. Um, we have at least another one or two sevens tournaments coming up in the, in the upcoming weeks. And then other than our fall season starting, our, our next really big engagement is going to be our tenant market days. Um, where we will still, we, we have a fresh order of budgie smugglers on the way. So if anybody mm. wants to pick up the, pick those up from the public, we'll have them um, for sale there. Um, but I think other than our fall season, do you guys think of anything else that's really big for us coming up? Um, for the fall, no. Um, next summer, Bingham Cup 2020 is going to be in Ottawa, Canada. So I know everyone's really looking forward to that. Um, that'll be the next big tournament that we play. So like this year, as we worked towards Portland, um, the fall and spring seasons are going to be all about building momentum for, for Ottawa 2020. And obviously with it being so close for you guys, it, it makes it easier to attend, I take it. Yeah, so and you, you kind of asked this question earlier, Randy, and I skipped past it. Um, when it comes to like our fundraising arm and for players being out of pocket, um, you know, the, the club does as much as we can for sending people abroad. Um, when we were in Amsterdam last year, we had a very solid stipend for every player that was just covered by our fundraising arm. Um, we usually always give at least some sort of stipend if we're traveling. We were able to pay for um, a lot, most if not all the hotel rooms for Portland. And then um, another good cause that we have running for us, um, one of our founding members, Jeremy Beggy, who has since passed in the, in the previous few years, we do a scholarship in his honor. Um, his, his mom a few years ago was gracious enough to give us some money to get that fund going. And we as a board and as an organization 
do decided to keep that fund going from the money that we raise either from our fundraisers or from our sponsorships. So this past year, or for Portland rather, we were able to send three of our players a completely paid for flight and hotel um, to that tournament, which was, you know, speaking as the president, was one of my most proud moments to be able to have led this team in the fundraising role for the number of years that I did that. And then now as president, being able to look at some of our I don't want necessarily want to say less fortunate players, but, you know, people, they are who they are, and we have a wide breadth of backgrounds. And, you know, as Bobby said earlier, this is truly a family, and it's about this community, and it's this fosterhood, uh, or fostering a brotherhood that we do. So if somebody reaches out and says, hey, I need help, we want to make sure that we can do everything that we can in our power to help that person. And the... Beggy Scholarship has really allowed us to be able to send some phenomenal players to these tournaments abroad. That's awesome. You guys have that. Yeah, it's super helpful. I've, you know, I've been low on cash a couple of times where I really wanted to come to a tournament and uh, send a message to the board, talk about working it out. Um, the Dragons are so accommodating and have been ever since I joined. It's amazing. That's cool. As we get closer to wrapping this up, I what I like to do is I like to, um, you've done a really good job of mentioning other people in the club, but you are three fabulous people, but I want to try to get some other names out there for people okay. who participate. Let's do a thing. Let, let me just ask you, you mentioned the recruitment class. Who are some of the biggest improvements from start to where you're at now? Um, I think my call out is Nick Ventola. His what he showed me in Madison compared to what I saw in his first match was was insane. He's he, he's an he's an athletically built man, um, but it, you know rugby just doesn't only take a sharp physique. But I think that he's one of my most improved in standouts for the rookie class. Uh, definitely, I mean, literally the transformation on all of them was amazing. But like, I'll shout out Victor for really. Uh, doing his homework, studying on his own, watching rugby on YouTube, like on the train, on his way to work, whenever it was. And halfway through the season, he already knew <laughs> probably more about rugby than I knew after two seasons. Like uh, it goes to show you how being a student of the game and going above and beyond just a couple hours of practice a week will make you a better player and at an accelerated rate. And he got man of the match for one of his performances, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if he got man of the match. He definitely got an honorable mention. Um, he yeah. really helped our kicking game. Um, I feel bad because I know we're going to forget people, but um, one shout-out that I'd like to give is Nick Lush. Um, new to the sport, hadn't played it. His older brother played, so that's how he knew about rugby. But he came out and joined the team, and within the second or third match, he was actually already starting. So... Um, he picked it up really quick and, and did well. And then we have other players on the team. You know how I said it could take two or three seasons to to really mm -hmm. improve. So those guys that are now on their second and third season have really stepped up. Um, and one of my um, most improved players that I've seen over the last several years is Michael Wilhite. Just an incredible talent, yeah. super, super fast, smart. He's the most soft-spoken guy, but get him on the pitch and you can't shut him up, which I absolutely <laughs> adore. Yep. Yeah. Um, and like sure. I said, there's a ton of other people that I can think of, but um, I don't want to forget anybody. But yeah, there's a lot of guys who really stepped up. Uh, well, we really, really can't uh, forget Coda. So I'm just going to say uh, we were so, so lucky this season. Uh, we were kind of wondering what was going to happen to our team at the nine position, which is the scrum half. And um, Coda, who's this amazing trans guy athlete, he came to us from, was it North Shore? Uh, a women's club and um, just freaking took over at the, at the nine position for us without Coda this season being an aggressive leader, an amazing athlete and just a badass overall. Uh, we would have been pretty lost. Yeah. His, his ability to read the pitch and control the side at the appropriate times. It's, it's awesome to watch the inspiring really. He handles the ball more than anybody. He's right at the breakdown. Every single play gets hit 
super hard and pops right back up. Um, he's one of my favorite athletes to watch in general in any sport. Who are some of those the dragons that have been there the longest? So we, we have we have quite a few veterans who have been around for years. Um, you know, Mo Tarver actually came to us from the Philadelphia Griffins a few years ago, and he is just an absolute beast. I can play him at five or six different positions, and he will be the best person at that position on the field. We wouldn't be where we are without him. Um, totally. I think another player who's been on the team for a really long time is Ben Gustafson. He came out and actually um, his rookie season was 2014. And I remember this because it was the year we got to go to Australia. Um, and he um, is also a former captain and just a really excellent leader. And it, he plays prop and he, um, you know, if I could have 15 of him, I'd take it. He's that type of player. Totally. We would be so lost without those pillars yeah. on our team, those yeah. just and then, awesome, steady guys. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and then there's some other guys who have been around for a long time. Ted plays lock. Mark plays lock. Sweet tea. Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, we, Thomas. Like, Sutherland. He's been, here um, for he's been around time. for a long yeah. time. And he actually came from Charlotte a few years ago, but he is one of the best athletes, uh, smartest players I've ever seen play. So smart. And then uh, Alex Sullivan, whose nickname is Carol. He, <laughs> in my mind, if you ever saw the movie Stripes, the character who played Psycho, um any of you guys touch my stuff i'll kill you he that's that's who that's who alex is in my mind um and he's just crazy enough to freak the other team out and i love watching him play yeah and again there's going to be tons of people that we forget but um well really good mix of really good veterans and yeah and, and and new guys so the experience level and just the depth of the team is growing, which is phenomenal. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's growth. So this is Jack. My co-captain, Jack Sundheim, has been a really big emotional leader. The He's been captain longer than anyone I can think of. Three years, like three years in a row. Yeah, he's, he's just an amazing emotional leader. Like I said, a pillar on the team. Steady, Eddie, athlete. Doesn't really have ups and downs. Doesn't get rattled. And, uh, you know, I'm a little bit more emotional than him, so it's nice to have a studying force on the team like that. Nice. And how long has he been with the team, you said? He and I actually, we were rookies together. We're both named Jack, and now we're both captains, so it's kind of a weird little relationship. And I barely know him as a person. We just drink together and hug and <laughs> laugh together a lot. But, uh, yeah, we've grown pretty close, and... Um, I think we started, I always think it's been, I used to always say one year, <laughs> even though it's been like four, uh, but now I keep for thinking it's been longer. I think it was the beginning of 2016, end of 2015, yeah. we came out of the woodwork. Yeah, and it's actually weird. So our former coach, a couple coaches ago, Mackenzie, um, I was still playing at the time, and it was your rookie season, mm -hmm. and we were talking about Sonny, we both go, he's going to be a leader on this team someday. Mm -hmm. And it's true. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he's been a leader in multiple facets on and off the pitch. He's held at least two board positions over the past, I guess, three, three and a half, four years. And, you know, he he's one of our pillars of this club and pulls weight and inspires. And we would not be where we are without him. That's nice. That's a nice uh, shout out for him. Is there anything else you guys wanted to add before I let you go? I'll just say that um, even if we're not active in a 15s or 7s season, the team hangs out constantly. We'll hang out on the weekends. We will work out together, whether it's indoor or outdoor workouts. I try to lead a few a month, and I'm going to try to up that to even more frequent. Um, so if somebody were looking to get to know the dragons before the season starts or just to have somebody to talk to about rugby before they show up to rugby 101 or their first practice like we are literally on call year round it's not just during the season yep. i hang out with these guys i used to have tons of friends now i only hang out with the rugby team because i just yeah <laughs> i just don't need anyone else i i could second that and you know to speak to recruiting we, we don't have a recruitment season um that that's an all-year affair um, because we do have either practice or gameplay or social events or fundraising events. Uh, 
couple months of the calendar. Um, so anybody can walk in at any time. I came in two months into that spring season that I joined, and Bobby and I stood off to the side of my first practice. Right. He taught me how to how to toss a rugby ball. Um, and, you know, obviously no skill level for anybody. I was a dancer before mm -hmm. I played rugby. I had never done an organized sport in my entire life, save for like a season of beach volleyball. <laughs> um, but yeah, any, any, any skill level, any background, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll take them all and make sure that they have the resources for success. Yeah. And, and I just like to throw a shout out to our boys, because like I said, I, at the beginning, I didn't even join the team until I was 36, which is after most people retire. You know, now that I'm 48, I'm hanging out with people in their 20s and early 30s, and I never get that opportunity if it wasn't for this team. So that's pretty amazing. I yeah, think, right. To speak to that, like the amount of people that I've met on on our team or other IGR teams, whether that be domestic or international, and you know, a, a lot of the guys that you know the the I guess more traditionally straight teams that we play, like we have some really great relationships on that front as well, mm -hmm. and I. I couldn't imagine myself not joining this club five years ago compared to who I would be right now. Yeah. And this is the greatest decision I've ever made. My mother, I remember telling my mom she absolutely hated the idea <laughs> of me doing it. Yeah. But, you know, even though uh, an injury has occurred that kind of took me off the pitch and being on the board can be stressful, I, I wouldn't have traded this experience or this group of men for the world. I wouldn't be the person that I am today without them. And I'll second Jack what you said, like if I'm not with rugby people, I'm probably not with a whole lot of others, like a very small social network outside of that. Cause this, this is my family that I've chosen to be with and I couldn't have picked a better group of men to be around. Nice. Same. I accept anybody for whatever they want to give to the club. And even if that's coming out on a Saturday afternoon to watch and cheer us on and hang out with the fellas, you know, more the merrier we have, like I said, a, a very extensive social network of you know, older players or people that have had friendships with family members on the team that still continue to come and support. Um, so he's more than welcome to join if he, if he doesn't really have the interest of being on the pitch. You know, if he wants to get into some volunteerism, we do have a, a number of different options for that. So there are ways for him to support the club without having to be at practices or having to play the games with us. Or if he just wants to expand his social network. Right, exactly. And you know, we've had a number of people that are just that, that want to just show up and be part of our social network, which is completely fine. You know, we've met a lot of great people and we would love to have another. Well, you guys, you guys have been awesome. Um, I have enjoyed talking with you guys. So thank you. Yeah, Randy, thank you so much. We really, we really appreciate, appreciate the opportunity to speak with you as well. It's been great.